Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Have you ever struggled through keeping your faith vibrant in the Christian life? Have the concerns of life and the weariness of ministry ever felt like discouragement or despair? Maybe you've even reached the point of giving up. The Apostle Paul has a word of encouragement for you. And as we will see this morning, our hope is found in no other place than the reality of our future resurrection. Thanks for joining us today as we conclude 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in our series on the resurrection with the encouragement to stand firm in the faith and be unmoved because of our hope of resurrection. I don't know how many of you are like me, uh, but one of the things that I really struggle with is waiting. Anybody else? uh, Don't leave the pastor hanging this morning. Patience and waiting tends to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that this has produced in my life is this kind of roulette at the checkout at the shopping uh, market. Uh, Maybe you're like me. You kind of look for the fastest line, right? That's what I tend to do. Hate to stand in line. And uh, the other, a uh, couple weeks back, uh, we went to Green Bay, and so we stopped at Target, picked up a couple things while we were there. I think it was very small. I think we needed hangers and like a, a, a area rug, one of those small little things that you just roll up, right? So hardly anything in the cart. As I pulled up to see all the little aisles, we had uh, this one that was just filled, the carts were filled. And I thought, yeah, I don't know if I want to stop in this one. And uh, sure enough, Emily stopped in that one. And... <laughs> Okay, all right, and then I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw this little old lady who was already ready to pay in the next one. And so what did I suggest? Hey, hey, how about we go to aisle 13, right? And so we did, we scooted right over there. And it's as if God knew he was using this moment in my life to just test my faith. This sweet little old lady reached into her purse, and instead of pulling out money, she pulled out coupons. Coupons. That's right. Now I'm going to make this 30 minute story short because it took 30 minutes. At least it felt like 30 minutes that I stood behind this sweet little old lady. As she tried to get her deal on her Tide detergent, she had to go back and find a different one and come back again. The poor cashier lady flipped the little switch that caused the light to blink even. And I saw I saw um, myriads of individuals go through the line I was in. The entire store emptied through the line that I was in while I waited behind this sweet little old lady. I, I, I use that illustration along with any other illustration that you can think of where you and I are in a position of having to wait or bail. Right? I, I, I could stick it out or, you know what, I've had enough of this thing. Because the reality for us in the, in the attitude and in the life, especially in America, where we can have anything you want, you can have it now. That the challenge to living the Christian life, it either goes one of two ways. One where the message gets distorted, whereby people teach, oh, God's going God's to give you everything you want. He's going to bless you. He's going to heal you. Whatever you have is going to be fixed. He's going to uh, increase uh, your checking account. The, the message gets distorted. Or individuals hear the proper message, which is one where Christ says, do you remember what he says? If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow. That's what he says. And for those of us that have heard the true message, it becomes now a challenge to live in this life. And much like 
the rest of our world, and maybe you can identify even in my own heart where sometimes it's like, you know, I wish I could just bail on this thing, or it's, it's not working out, or I keep trying, or why can't I find enough? And it's always the same 20% of the people doing all the you, you know what I'm saying? It always seems to be something there that's a challenge for us to complain on, that we're ready to give up, but the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. This morning, we're going to finish up our series on resurrection. And as Paul works to the end of 1 Corinthians 15, he's going to do so through this subject of resurrection to encourage the church to wait it out. Stay faithful. Stay strong. Stay in your line. God is using you. Even if it feels like this isn't going the way I wanted and I'm ready for this to get better The promise of the new life where everything has been repaired does not happen on this side of eternity. It's something that's promised to us at resurrection. Therefore, if you and I are going to be the kind of Christians who can stand firm and wait and have great long-suffering and patience, think of your loved ones who who aren't responding to the gospel. Think of family members who who you've been trying to witness to. Uh, you, You have those moments of wanting to give up? Think of the illnesses that just seem to persist and continue. Think of the challenges that don't go away. You want to know something, church? You can make it. For God is not giving you anything by which is unique to you. And he will provide a way out of any temptation that you face so that you are able to stand. Church, that's what God's word says. You are able to stand. Paul gives us the hope that you and I are able to stand. You and I are able to wait. You and I are able to be patient according to the Spirit's leading because Jesus is not in the grave. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. So we're going to look at the end of this. I invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hello, frog in my throat this morning. And what we're going to do is work through verses 35 through 58. My... Uh, My hope as we wrap this up again is to just extend Easter. Church, listen, you celebrate Easter every week, every day. Every moment where you find yourself hearing the Spirit living within you is achieved for you because Jesus has ascended to the Father to send the Spirit because Jesus has risen from the dead. That is the centrality of our hope in Christ. And that is the anchor for the hope that we have, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. You might recall couple of weeks back, even before the, the snow day, uh, we looked through Romans. <coughs> and in Romans chapter 8, we discovered that if you don't have it yet, y- you wait for it. Remember that? So in this hope, he says we are saved. The hope is the adoption as sons and daughters. He calls it the redemption of our bodies. And he hopes for what he does not have for Who hopes for what he already has? This is Romans chapter 8. But if we wait for it, if we hope for it, he says we wait patiently. And you might recall from those weeks back, I said wait here means something specific. And we had to reframe what it meant to be a human. Do you remember what it said in Genesis? I'm doing a little bit of review here for you, right? What did God put the man and the woman on the earth to do? Not kick their feet up? What? Not take it easy? What? Not watch the game? What? No. Work. That was why he put us on the earth. To care for it, to to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. God's plan for humanity is still that. 
to be his representatives, to be his ambassadors over this earth, carrying out his will as though he himself were right here. That's your calling. That is my calling. Therefore, if we're waiting for resurrection, remember, you have the spirit. So the the two parts that make up a person, the immaterial spiritual part and the physical material part, this side has been remade. You have the spirit. You will never die. If if the Spirit of God lives in you, you and your spirit will never die. The second death has no authority over you. But your bodies still need to be remade. Therefore, while we wait, we work. Amen, church? While we wait, we work. We don't grow weary. We don't grow tired. I think in the sermon notes, I put a verse in there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Outwardly, we're wasting away. Any amens to that? Um, I, I didn't put on the prayer list, but uh, pray for Marvin. Uh, he was taken to the ER yesterday, just, just wearing himself out, working too hard. Busy, busy beaver Marvin, right? So um, he, he could testify to you today. We're outwardly, folks, wasting away, but inwardly being renewed day by day. Therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Right? For what, that which is seen is, is, is passing away, but that which is unseen is eternal. So this is where our hope lies. We work, and, and while we wait, we wait patiently. And we look for Christ's return. Last week was 1 Corinthians 15, uh, right up through the uh, verse 34. And our purpose in looking at this was to understand Paul's calling to the church of saying, because Christ has been raised, you have hope for the resurrection. And he, he laid out an argument. Do you remember what it was? If if Jesus has not been raised, how's that work for you and I? Do you remember? That was, that was a pretty, pretty sorry lot. Right? We're to be pitied amongst all men. Uh, we're still in our sins. You have no hope for your loved ones who have died. If you have a loved one who passed away, if there's no resurrection, that's it. Done. <coughs> Over. Uh, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Paul says we're liars because we've testified God does raise the dead. But in fact, if he doesn't, then, yeah, we're found to be false witnesses. Because the tomb is empty, this is true. And your body will be raised. And the loved ones who have passed on, their bodies will be raised. This morning, we're going to try to look and answer the question, so what that, what's that going to be like? I know some of you are thinking that right now. All right, I'm with you, Pastor. I believe resurrection is going to happen, but what's it going to be like? So for our purpose of our time, we're going to read through the end of the chapter. And then what I'm going to try to do is I want to tie together the uniformity of the rest of God's word. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to understand that resurrection being so central to our hope is not found in one passage. It's found sprinkled throughout the New Testament. All right. It's it's in verses that show up through cross all of the epistles. So that's part of my goal this morning is to not only uh, explain and show the defense of what the body will look like. And that's 1 Corinthians 15. But to try to tie it together with the rest of Scripture. Everybody good? This is where we're going to go for this morning. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1790. Page 1790 on the Pew Bible, starting verse 35. Paul says, But someone may ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to, the, come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. 
but God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animal have another, birds have another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, as there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another. The stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What a great chapter, right? That's worth an amen, right? Fantastic truth that comes off the pen of the Apostle, from the heart of the Holy Spirit. And what I've entitled this message is the resurrection of the body. Paul is really kind of dealing with here what the body is going to look like. What will it be when they're raised? And I have uh, kind of uh, stolen this phrase from uh, one uh, preeminent author, uh, life after, life after death. If you remember a while back, we said that one of the problems with the church is we just think about going to heaven. That tends to be what we've been taught our entire life is that we die and we go to heaven. But you need to remember, heaven is the place where the spirits dwell with God while the bodies are where? Yeah, bodies are still here. And God did not create us to live disembodied lives while, while our bodies still lie in the dust. 
You heard it from the Psalms this morning, right? Psalm 71, Rosanna read it for us, right? He will raise us up. Uh, we heard it in Colossians as well as the reading that our, we, are, we are seated with Christ, right? For we died and our life is hidden in Christ. And when he appears, this means when Jesus returns, we will appear as well. Not as spirits, but as resurrected bodies united with the spirit that God gave. Therefore, the hope that we have is life after, life after death. So when you die in Christ, you have life after death. You're in heaven, but that's not the end of the story. It doesn't stop there. For Jesus, Jesus' body was raised from the dead, and ours will be as well. So there's life after, life after death. Oh. This is still kind of a, a, maybe a new teaching for many of you. Uh, it's not new to the church, though, historically. It has been one to win the last probably 300, uh, 450 years uh, has been propagated because we have separated the concept of mind and body. And we think that all we are is heads, minds, thinking. We're thinking beings. And we forgot that God cares about the physical as well. Paul's going to write to this. And there's six observations that uh, he'll speak to for <coughs> what your resurrected body will be like. <coughs> the first is this. It will be bodily. It will be bodily. He's going to use a word as he's continued here. Um, spiritual. And there, there are some people that get confused by that word because they think it's going to be this kind of uh, uh, like ghost, ghost type of a body, right? It's, it's just a spiritual emanation or uh, aberration or uh, some, some flavor of a, a non-corporeal type of a entity. That's rubbish. That's not it at all. You know, one, one of the reasons that we know this is by looking to see the historical account of Jesus himself. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the uh, book of Luke, chapter 24. <coughs> In Luke, chapter 24, we have the disciples gathered. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus is going to appear to his disciples in verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. The disciples are there. They're speaking about the, the message that they've heard from the other disciples that Jesus has raised. Verse 36 says this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, they weren't expecting Jesus to be there. In fact, here's part of the, the resurrected body's ability is that he didn't come through a door. He just showed up. There's more that's going on with the resurrected body than we have the fullness of explaining. But that's because we're on this side of eternity. And yet we see little glimpses of it. Look what happens. Verse 37. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw what? You see that? This can't be Jesus. Did anyone see him come in? I mean, I'm, I, he's right in front of my eyes, but that, that can't be Jesus. We saw, that, we saw him die. What happens to dead people? Generally speaking. They tend to stay dead. And so if you think you're seeing somebody again, you think you're seeing a ghost. That's what they thought. But look at this. Jesus says in verse 38, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts raise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. Uh, the, the resurrected body is, will be bodily. It will be physical. Jesus says, he has, he says, touch me and see, I'm physical, I'm right here. It's not a ghost, you guys. Look, 
hands and feet. You can touch me. Not only does he say that, but if you continue through the rest of that passage, he's like, something smells good in here. What are you, what are you guys eating? When's the last time you saw a ghost eat something? <laughs> Spiritual things don't need food. They don't, they don't eat. But Jesus goes, he gets a broiled piece of fish, and he eats it, showing and proving to them that he is truly physically, bodily there. The first thing I want you to know about the resurrection of the dead is that it is bodily. Go back to 1 Corinthians now. Uh, this is where Paul started. That's the question he addresses in verse 35. Some say, well, what kind of body does he ha- uh, will they come back with? His, his message is to say it's going to be different. Hear me now. It's going to be different than the one you have right now, but it will still be a body. Okay? It will be different than the one you have right now, but it will still be a body. There was a professor teaching on this in seminary, and uh, one girl raised her hand in, in the back and said, I don't really like the shape of my nose. You think I'll be able to fix that with the, with the new body? Now, I don't recall the answer to this, and I frankly don't know the answer to this, other than to say that you will have a physical presence, a bodily presence, but it will be a little different than the one you have right now. Not that it won't be physical, however. And we're going to look at some of the uniquenesses of the heavenly body. I want you to see how Paul really forces this point across. Verse 38. But God gives it a body as he has determined. To each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Does it need to be clearer than that? How could Paul be any clearer? The resurrected body is not just a spiritual non-physical entity. It is fully physical, fully bodily. And yet it is unique from what you and I have currently. And this is the rest of what he um, goes on to explain to us. So the second thing I want you to see is that the resurrected body is immortal. Now what is the characteristic of something that's mortal? What does it do? It dies. That's right. The key description of the resurrected body is that it will not die. Uh, Paul proves this as he continues in verse 42. Look with me there. He says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. And he starts making these contrasts, all right? So if you're uh, underlining in your Bible, you, you might show the relationship between the two. He says, the first body is sown perishable. What's perishable mean? Breaks down. It goes bad. It can rot, right? And this is exactly the evidence of what we find with bodies that no longer uh, live and move, right? They they decompose. They decay. He says that's the ones we have now. But the next one isn't going to be like that. Why do we die? Let's time out on this for just a moment. Why do we die? Paul tells us this in the book of Romans. For the wages of sin is... Yeah, so the reason we die is because of sin. That's the reason we die. So there's more to this body that we're going to look at here as we work down to the, to the last one. But the reason why we don't die is because sin will not be part of the new body. And so your body, though it's right now sown under the corruption of the curse, is perishable. It will be raised imperishable. Look what he says after that. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. And it is sown in a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And this is the place where I want to make sure there's not confusion. When he says a spiritual body, he's not meaning that it's just a spirit. He's meaning that it comes from God. It comes from heaven. That's why it's a heavenly body. It's not an earthly made body. It's one that God is going to craft with his own hands. He's going to give us 
Uh, he said, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, that if we have this earthly tent that wears out, you and I have a building from heaven. That's the new body. It's a building. It's made. It's crafted by God. And it will never die. In uh, the book of Revelation, towards the end, uh, these words show up in verse 4 of chapter 21. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Whatever the new body is going to look like, and there's a lot of things I can't tell you about. There's more than I can even fathom. We can even see on this side of things, which is one reason why if you read through the uh, gospel accounts, Jesus in his resurrected form is sometimes not recognized as Jesus. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they walk with him the whole way to the next town and they don't even realize it's Jesus until they sit down for a meal. And part of the reason we suspect that is because here is the very first one who has ever come back on this side of death. Whatever that resurrected body looks like, we probably won't even know to recognize it because of all the characteristics that make it up. But there's a few things we can say. Number one, it is a body. It can eat. Amen for Presbyterians, right? Amen. We can eat. Yeah. And secondly, it is immortal, meaning that it will never die. It'll never wear out. Do you remember, um, remember the illustration I had with my son's sneakers? Remember I brought his shoe, completely falling apart? And we got him new shoes. Guess what those new shoes look like now? They are falling apart. Emily says to him the other day, you know, we bought you new shoes. Why do you wear these old ones? He says, these are the new ones. Mom. They're falling apart. Everything we have in this life falls apart and it decays, perishes, but not so with the resurrected body. All right, third is this. It will be like Jesus' body. This is, a, this is a very important point. You, you won't, you're not going to be Jesus. You're going to be you, but your body will be in kind with his resurrected body. So characteristics we see from Jesus' body will be seen in ours as well. Uh, I want you to uh, see this in verse 48 and 49 chapter 15 he says in 48 as was the earthly man so are those who are of the earth now that's where we are right now right great 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 grandpa is adam right and all of us carry the nature of that flesh right flesh that has been under the curse every offspring that has come has been spiritually dead and physically will die that's where we're at today if you have the spirit of god you've been renewed on the inside but the outside is still of that same corruption so, we are of the earth, we are of the natural. Continue in verse 48. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. So, as Jesus is, this is what we will look like as well. Verse 49. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. That's incredible. Your resurrected body will be like Jesus' resurrected body. Man, I wish we could see it. Wouldn't it be really cool if Jesus came to church? Well, I mean, yeah, it'd be the day of, day of the Lord. It'd be a really big deal, but, you know, if he just, you know, snuck down here and we could... That'd be incredible to see, to see a resurrected form, to see our Lord and Savior. Imagine what that would be like. And the promise that's given to you and I that we will be made not contrary in a different form or fashion, but in congruency with that kind. This is what Paul writes in the book of Philippians. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so that, check it out, they will be like his glorious body. I want you to see how we're tying together the message that's strewn throughout the New Testament. The resurrection is not something that's limited to one book or chapter. It fills itself as the hope through the pages of your New Testament. And here we see in the promise that your body will look like Jesus, Paul writes that he will come and he will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. Your resurrected body will be like Jesus's. Fourth is this. It will be transformed. It will be transformed. So as Paul's writing this letter, he's writing it to a church like us. Uh, All of us are alive, right? All of us, hopefully, have been redeemed inwardly. But you're not going to inherit heaven in this form. In fact, you can't. It's impossible. Uh, The form that you have in right now, the the form that receives temptation, uh, this physical flesh that you and I inhabit that uh, get (coughs) sick and... uh, Right? That, this form. This isn't the one that's going to heaven. And so Paul has an important um, message to give. Look at verse 50. He says this. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying something against the bodily form of resurrection. What he's saying is, the way you are right now, you're not going to make it to heaven. Something needs to be done to you first. You need to be what? Transformed. You need to be transformed. So check this out. This is awesome. Um, He says, it can't inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So listen. And I think Paul, if he were were preaching this, he'd get real quiet. He'd be like, listen, listen. I'm going to tell you a mystery. This would be awesome. We will not all sleep. What's that mean? That's right. So sleep here is used as a a euphemistic way of referring to death. He says, we're not all going to die. This is fun for me to preach because, like, this could still happen. When Paul was preaching this, they've all died, right? So they're all going to be resurrected from the ground, but, you know, we're still alive. So this is true for us right now. He says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, so... We've been there already, right? The the dead get their new bodies first, right? So the dead are raised first. The trumpet sounds. Jesus is returning, okay? Dead are raised. And then what happens to those of us who are still alive? What's the word here? You're transformed. That's right. He says we will be changed. He says for the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable. I don't know what that's going to be like. I hope that's what we all get though because... I forget the country singer, whoever said it. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there, right? Um, well, the, the reality is uh, sin produces death. And, and if our Lord tarries, it means patience so that more can repent. And we're for that, right? There's no downside for the believer. As you, lo- you and I lose loved ones in Christ, there's no loss here. There, there's only the hope of resurrection and victory. Nobody gets to heaven when they die and says, gee, I wish I could go back to earth. Do you hear me say that? Nobody dies and gets to heaven with our Lord and says, well, this is nice, but, you know, I liked my house in Iron Mountain. (laughs) Nobody says that. You get to heaven and you're in glory with God and you have only that to look forward to for resurrection. 
But see, if you don't die, if Jesus returns and you don't die, your bodies are going to be changed in a flash. That's what it says. How cool is that? In the twinkling of an eye. Don't you love that phrase? Just a beautiful phrase. I, for a long time, I've read this uh, um, you know, when I was younger, not understanding it. But really, that phrase just kind of stuck with me. Whatever the twinkling of an eye sounded magical. It sounded wonderful. And here's what he wants you to know is that you and I, though we're still alive, our resurrected bodies will be transformed bodies. And it'll happen like that. It'll happen in a blink, in a flash, so that you no longer have this form but you have a form that's now bodily, it's immortal, it looks like Jesus, and it's transformed. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's going to say, according to the same event, these words, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet. You see the trumpet? Right? That was the same thing that's happening in 1 Corinthians 15, right? He says that the dead in Christ will rise first. That's the same thing he's saying in 1 Corinthians 15, right? Jesus returns, the dead are raised, and what happens? We who are still alive, that's us, and are left, will be caught up together with them. However those resurrected bodies look, however they are transformed, you and I, in a flash, right? In the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Your resurrected body will be a transformed body. Fifthly is this, it will happen at Christ's return. We've already seen that in these two passages, right? The when of this, the timing of this happens when Jesus returns. Therefore, that's why the call is wait and wait patiently because we're still waiting for his return. This is what we look forward to because his return means resurrection. Colossians 3 verse 4 that we heard this morning already, right? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears... This doesn't mean when he returns, when he shows up, you also will appear with him in glory. A resurrected body uh, and resurrection happens at Christ's return. And sixthly and lastly is that the resurrected body will be incapable of sin. And we've kind of already mentioned that already. I cannot fathom what that will be like. I really can't. Uh, living on this side of eternity, it's hard for me to envision uh, even the the deepest depths of pride in my heart, how, how that will be rooted out with a resurrected body. But somehow it will happen because there will be no more death. And if there's sin, there's death. And if he's already said there's no death, then guess what? That means there's no sin. These new bodies will be incapable of sin. At the end of Revelation, the last chapter, verses 1 through 3, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. How awesome is that? No longer will there be any curse. The curse has come upon creation because of sin. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. The servants will serve him. The resurrected body will be incapable of sin. A few conclusions I want to share with you. I don't have these in your notes, but I believe they're really important. I'm going to ask you to turn to a passage in Romans 12. Uh, number one is this. The resurrection is the transformation of the old, not merely the replacement of the old. Romans chapter 12. 
The resurrection is the transformation of the old, not merely the replacement of it. When you take your car in to get new tires, do they turn it into a hovercraft? No, they do not. They just replace it, right? That whatever the old that was there, they just put a new one of those on. That's not what it will be like in the resurrection. It's not just a replacement of the old with, an, with another busted up, broken. I'm going to have to turn this one in later as well. It's going to be fully transformed. Romans chapter 12, Paul reaches this point in his letter. Uh, look at me in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Why does God want your body? The, the answer is because he already has your heart. Right? If, you are, if you're saved, if you're redeemed, the Spirit of God lives within you. You belong to Christ. These bodies, however, are remnants left over from an old order. They need to be transformed. And so until that time, what do you do with your bodies? What's it say? Offer them as a living sacrifice. And look what he continues in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. The resurrection is the transformation of the old, not merely the replacement of the old. Secondly is this. The resurrection is accomplished by the Spirit of God. This is a really important point. And it's one that we all got to hold to. Turn back in Romans to chapter 8. And that's where we were a couple of weeks back. But I want you to see part of the... Uh, you, we probably missed it the first time we looked at it. But it needs to jump out and catch us. Because the way in which the resurrection will occur... Is not by any hocus pocus, not any magical incantation. You don't drink this serum and change. The power of God through the Spirit will accomplish the resurrection. Romans 8, chapter 11. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit. If this is true, if you and I have this as our hope, and if this, it's the Spirit who will do this work, then it's the Spirit to whom you must listen to. You and I must learn to walk in step and in kind with the Holy Spirit. There's a 45-minute there's a message on this one topic that i got to preach another day. But um, you and I, what we, what we must learn to do is cue our radar into the Spirit's leading. For it's the Spirit who will raise our bodies, and that's our hope. Everybody with me on this, right? It's the Spirit through whom we must find our transform, transformation. Learning to think and live after the things of God through the Spirit. Lastly is this. The resurrection is as assured as the fact of Christ's resurrection. How do you know that you can have hope in the resurrection? How do you know that? Because, you ready for this? Everybody ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's why. You can go to the tomb. You can stick your head in there. He ain't there. He is raised. So the fact of the resurrection is as assured as the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just a few things to, to wrap things up. Applicationally, he ends his chapter back in 1 Corinthians 15 with this phrase. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This first command is to stand firm. 
The word here means to be immovable. Uh, like, a, like a big rock in a field that you can't move. You get the tractor for. I mean, you just, it ain't moving. That's the calling to the church. You need to be immovable. You can look and find a beautiful example of this on the shores of our nation. For where the rocks are, we have built towers with lights on the top. What do we call them? Lighthouse, right? And the waves, as the storm comes, as the hurricanes come, they'll bash and they'll hit those lighthouses. And what do the lighthouses do? They stand. They stand firm. Because what must they do? What must a lighthouse do? It must shine. Right? It must illuminate the dark. It must show the world, hey, warning, don't come over here. Stay over there. There's life and there's hope and there's salvation over here. But if the light goes out because it crumbles, all will be lost. And the call to the Christian is this exact word. Stand firm. Be immovable. Look at the next word. You can't get around it. Let nothing move you. The word here in Greek is a word that means to be persistent. To have perseverance. Don't give up. Do not grow weary in doing good. Or you will reap a harvest. And this comes to our third and final part, which is always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Like a lighthouse shining, it's piercing light into the dark as the waves hit it. It does not move because, and you and I cannot move. You and I can be standing firm because of the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wanted to conclude this morning with just a couple of illustrations for what this looks like. Some of your bulletins this morning came with a little treat, a little surprise. Who got one? Show of hands of you. Who got one? Yeah. So I, I stole one here. A little pack of uh, wildflowers, right? This is the illustration that Paul gives for what resurrection will look like. If you were to open these, and, and uh, I want to ask, you can take them home and you can plant them. Or I think it would be really cool if after church... Everybody just kind of goes along the building right here and along the road and just drop them all right along the building. And let's see in a couple, couple weeks by the water and by the sunshine what comes out of the ground. Is it going to look like a nasty, gnarly, little rolly seed? Is that what's going to come out? You see, the, that which goes in does not look like that which comes out. Do you think the seed can even in its little puny mind can see that this is what it will look like? This is what Paul uses with the idea of resurrection. This is the picture that he gives. I wanted to give more updated picture of this, and so I thought of using an old phone. I got this one from a friend here. Look at this, a bad boy, right? This is what we all used to have. And before this, do you know what they were? We had the little round ones. And before that, the Andy Griffith Show, what were they? Right? Right, this kind, you had to hold it up to your ear. So they, they persisted with that kind for years and years and years. But what do, cell phone, what do phones look like today? Do you think this one ever could have conceived of this one? Like this one used to be able to dial. That's about it, right? Prank calls. That's about the most you could do on this, right? What could you do on this? You could do anything on this, right? Uh, I mean, you, you can watch movies on it. You can take pictures with it. Uh, now there's an app for anything. Never would have this phone conceived that this is what it would turn into. That's a picture of the resurrection. Uh, one commentator gave the illustration of that of a computer. 
Um, let's say you've got an old computer at home, just broken, right? No, software doesn't work. There's a big clunky piece of hardware. That's what we are in this world. You and I enter into this world just a broken computer. And the spirit comes like a, like a disk, like a download of new software. Software from God. And, and that's the spirit that lives within us. But the hardware is still kind of clunky and the battery never lasts, right? And it's taking forever, right? Amen? These bodies take forever sometimes, right? That's like this old hardware. But at the resurrection, God's going to give you a new hardware so that it will run the software flawlessly. It'll run it the way it's made to be run. And your calling and mine until that day is this. Stand firm, church. Like a lighthouse. Let nothing move you in your work and zealousness for the Lord. And give yourself fully. Because you know that your labor on the Lord is not in vain. He's risen. He is risen. Amen. Let's pray.